0: Hey, uh, we are super glad that you're here, and because of how the Spirit was leading worship time, um, I find myself um, just up here going, either I'm going to just really talk really fast, um, or we're going to go just a little bit long. If you're brand new to Shine Church, sit back and enjoy what God has for you. Um, That was really just a special time of worship. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was so good. So um, I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump in. We're on a series uh, right now uh, on the It's called Beloved, and it's about the first book of John, um, and Pastor Mark Marble, not Pastor Mark Marble, one of the congregants, Mark Marble, he used to be a pastor, but now he is just one of all of us, right? Uh, but he spoke last week and did an introduction. Um, go online to our YouTube channel, Shine Church CEO for Colorado, and you can get that message, and he did just an incredible job at introducing this series. I do need to let everybody know just a little bit of what's going on um, inside of of our leadership team because from the very beginning of Shine Church, which was four years ago, um, we felt very strongly as a leadership team that this church was going to be about Jesus and not a person. Amen, And so we said at that time that we wanted to have different voices, and so we created a teaching team. Um, what i didn 't realize is that after doing this for four years, that God was actually going to expand my idea of what that looks like, and um, I think I had in my mind it would be always staff pastors, uh, but the Lord has done something incredible, and we invited four other Uh, just attenders, family members. Mark was one of them. Josh is going to be one of them. Justin and Lauren Stone, if you know those guys, they have all uh, agreed to be a part of our teaching team. And I'm just telling you, church, uh, you are going to get an incredible amount of wisdom from these teachers, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. About a month ago, we had a pastor from Castle Rock Baptist Church come into our church on a Saturday night because he just wanted to you know we, we meet weekly as pastors and he just wanted to see what we were doing. And so I, it, as many of you know we do interaction we pass the microphone around and all of that. And after the service now Castle Rock Baptist Church. He came up to me and he goes, "Well, that was interesting." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Well, just the way you passed the microphones around and how you had people speak up and and I was like, "Well, did you and what would you think? And he's like, I actually really liked it. Um, and then his wife spoke up, and she goes, you have a lot of wisdom in your church. And I looked at both of them, and I said, you know, the truth is, guys, we have a lot of wisdom in all of our churches, but it just doesn't have the opportunity to be expressed a lot of times in current church structure. Um, and so I'm super excited that this teaching team has is, is agreed to do this because it's just Part of this family that is going to get to share um, through their gift. And that's what church is supposed to be about, is about the people exercising the gifts that God gave them. Yes? All right, enough about that. We need to get into this. So thanks for Mark's intro to this. Let's pray and we'll jump into the first chapter of 1 John. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, just what you're doing in this series. Uh, God, as we were just worshiping, the the whole heart of uh, just being the beloved, God, you you think, you think so much of us more than we could ever imagine. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we unpack this, this book that John wrote, that you would help us to see ourselves the way that you do and see the perfect purpose and plan that you've created for each one of us. And, Lord, I ask that you would speak to me. God, I pray that you would multiply time <laughs> so I can get these words done in, in an appropriate amount. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, well, I went back and told kids, pastors, and nursery workers we're going to go a little long, so they're prepared. So here we go. Um, I have three things from chapter one that I want to bring out uh, this weekend, and obviously there's much more than that 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 can be brought out, but I want to start with the first four verses, and I'm going to have you guys join me in reading this together. Before we read it, though, I want you to think about the context. Here we have John. Um, writing to a community of believers that he has discipled. And so it's not just to a church, but it's to a whole community. And he's trying to get, I believe, not only his heart for the people, but God's heart And have them understand what's going on and taking place And I find it very interesting how he begins this letter and the way that he writes it And so here's what I would like you to do I want you to kind of put yourself in the, the place of the church or the community That is actually receiving this letter Okay. Pretend like this letter was written actually to you right now And think about the impact that it makes as you read these words. So read it with me. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, I don't know, if we had a little more time, I'd go into a little interaction and see what you you get out of that. But here's some of the things that I saw out of this. How many times did he talk about things that he saw, he touched, uh, he experienced? He, he wants us to know. And, and I know that if, if I was receiving a letter from one of you and you guys said, hey, I saw this, I touched this, I, I experienced this, we saw this, there would, there would be a great weight that I would carry because you wrote it that way. Do you see that here? John is writing to this community and saying, hey, this isn't just fable. This isn't just uh, stories I'm telling. This is something that we have experienced, not just me, but several of us have experienced this, and we want you to know that. Do you see this? Okay, so three things from this chapter that I think that he wants us to realize. The first one is found in verse 4, right around verse 4. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Okay, so he wants us to understand, first and foremost, that God wants a walking, talking, personal relationship with him. He wants us to know that um, he wants us to interact with God on a daily basis. Now think about how foreign this would have been for this community. They were a Jewish community and up until this time of Jesus, they had to hear about God or from God from a high priest. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he would hear from God and then he would come down and communicate what God had said. How many of you are so thankful that we don't have to do that anymore? As a pastor of this church, I'm glad that we don't have to do that. That's a heavy burden on one man. But we all now have direct access to the Father. And I know that it has been said, and sometimes people question, where in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to have a personal relationship with the Lord? I would submit to you, it's right here. I thought that was better than that. <laughs> it's right here. It's true, you won't find the words in the Bible that says, have a personal relationship with God. But I would submit to you right here that what John is saying is we have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we want to have fellowship with Him because He has fellowship with us. It reminds me of the other book that John wrote, John, the Gospel of John, and in verse 3 of chapter 17, it says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. Okay, that word know, it means to come to know through personal experience. So I believe the context of what John wants us to grab a hold of first is that we should have a walking, talking relationship with the Lord. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that we should have eternal, everlasting life. The beautiful part of this eternal life right here that John is speaking of, it doesn't start when we die. It starts the moment we ask Jesus into our heart. We can begin to know Jesus, and that's eternal life. And for some people, it's going, well, that's going to be eternal life, just getting to know God? Let me give you a picture of what this looks like. Have you ever been reading the Word and having the, have the, paid, the, the words jump off the, the, the book from you, the Bible, and it's just, oh, my gosh, that is so good. And you live on that Word that day, that week, that month. You're like, oh, my gosh, can you believe this? Guess what eternal life is going to be? Revelation after revelation after revelation of our King. And it's not going to be boring, and it's going to be absolutely amazing as we get to know him. And so the first thing that I want to draw out is that God wants us to have a personal relationship with him. The second thing that I want to bring out is found in verses 5 through 7, and it reads this way. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Okay, there's a lot of talk about light and dark, and we're going to get more into that as we unfold this book. Um, And then for Christmas, we're actually doing a series called The Light Has Come. And I'm super excited about this because ultimately, Jesus came to bring the light. So we're going to talk about that aspect of that I want to focus in on verse 7 where it says this but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another we have fellowship with one another church God wants us to have relationship with him but then God also wants us to have relationship with one another And this is really key, and this is really important to understand, because I've heard people say that I don't have to go to church to to be a Christian. Absolutely, that's absolutely true. You don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. But you miss out on the fullness of what God has for you if you don't interact with one another. I thought there would be a bigger amen there. (laughs) We are supposed to interact and and love one another. And as I was studying this out, um, all of a sudden I began to have this little epiphany about this chapter and really about this entire book. And that is this. It all comes down to the greatest commandment. It all comes down to the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Well, somebody asked that question to Jesus in Matthew, and I'm going to pick up chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That is a huge statement. I know we've talked about it before, but to make sure everybody's on the same page. The Jews kept 613 laws and regulations. Six. Hundred and thirteen laws and regulations it wasn't just 10 commandments it was 613 different laws thank god we don't have to do that amen jesus says listen all of those all 613 actually get fulfilled in loving god and loving other people This is so important that many churches, if you go online and look up mission statements, they will have modified varieties of this statement. Love God. Love people. people. Everybody catches that. As I was studying this out, though, and I was talking to my daughter with my wife yesterday morning, something else jumped off to me, and that was this. At the end of that, it says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as who? Yourself. Yourself. Okay, real quick, little interaction part here. Raise your hand if you are confident in saying that I wake up every morning and go, I love myself. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, just a handful of people, and they're doing it because they know they're supposed to do it. Yes or no? Do we struggle with this? And it's very interesting, interesting to me, and it actually just all of a sudden jumped off the pages to me yesterday when we were talking with our daughter. If we don't learn how to love ourselves, how can we love others? And this is where it's gotten twisted in the world today because we're either one of two things: we either don't love ourselves, and so therefore we're just angry, cringy people. Anybody know an angry, cringy person? Don't raise your hands. It's okay. Don't elbow anybody. Or we, 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 we say, we're gonna love so well that we actually love to a point that's damaging to the person. You know you can love somebody so much that it damages them. If you love without truth, if you give this just unconditional, radical love, you know what, I am, I am convinced that that can be just as, as unhealthy as the cringy, angry person can be. So what do we have to get? We have to have an understanding of how God loves us. Man, it's so interesting that this worship set, especially this morning, it was all about that. It's all about understanding how God sees us. And church, I'm begging you and I'm imploring you, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how he sees you. And live from that place. Because the truth is, most of us live from a place where we... To speak down to ourselves we have low self-esteem we don't have self-confidence in who we are and yet every single one of us was made in his image and the goofy or great way that you look is the way that God wanted you to be amen Okay, just real quick show of hands how many of you would admit that you're messed up I, okay this is wrong Why are we so quick to admit that? Every hand goes up because it's just our human nature and it's the the understanding that we don't live up. Yes, you're right, we don't live up, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us, we are righteous in him. And he doesn't see us through our flaws and blemishes, he sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're a parent and you have a child that is speaking negatively about themselves, do you let that go? You're like, no, that's not how I see you. That's not, how much more does our heavenly father want us to get a hold of this? And so John is writing this letter and I was amazed as I read through the entire book again in the fact that you'll see this theme of the greatest commandment. Love God, God is great, here's what he's done. Love yourself, here's what he's done for you and how he wants you to see yourself and then love others. Hey, if you don't love others, you're not actually in this process. And so he's saying, grab a hold of this, and he, he's speaking through the entire book of John, really just the greatest commandment. And so I put in my notes, the whole letter is about God and his love for us, how we are to love ourselves the way he sees us, and then how we are to love others. Okay, so how do we do this? Well, I think it's found in this next three verses. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, every once in a while when I'm reading the Bible, I find sandwiches. And you're like, what? Well, let me give you an example. First Corinthians chapter 12, actually has a sandwich in itself. It talks about spiritual gifts. Then it talks about the body of Christ, and then it talks about spiritual gifts. So you have spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. What's the meat? The body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts and all of that. First chap- chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. What's the bread in the middle? First Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love. love chapter. So you have gifts, gifts. The meat is love. Here we have a little sandwich. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Sin, sin, okay? Now, now just a quick reminder, what is sin? Unbelief, okay, falling short. Missing the, mark. Missing the mark, thank you. That's, if you look it up in the Greek word, that's what it actually means, m- to miss the mark. It comes from an archery term. We've probably all heard this, but if you don't hit dead center, you've missed the mark, and when you miss the mark, that's called sin. And so um, here we have, missed the mark, missed the mark. Um, how many of you have missed the mark? Okay, everybody, absolutely. We all missed the mark. And what is the, the meat in between this? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, um, real quick, show of hands. When I say the word confess, there's a negative perception to it. Okay? When I say confess, you have a very positive perception to it. Okay? Half of you have no idea what you think (laughs) when I say the word confess. I think for a majority of people, when you say confess and you read this, it automatically incites negative thoughts into your head and your heart about maybe your flaws, about your mistakes, all of those things. And maybe another verse... James 5.16, which says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. We probably think about that and we begin to realize, okay, confess your sins to one another. Um, Well, yeah, that's, that's taking my flaws and telling somebody else about the flaws, yes? But here's what's interesting. These two words confess, two different Greek words. They're not the same word, which I found to be incredibly interesting. And so let me expand on this a little bit. In First John, the word confess, it means to speak the same, to agree. I promise, I confess, I publicly declare, I praise, celebrate, properly to voice the same conclusion. An example, agree or confess, to profess, because in full agreement, to align with. Did you hear any mention of sins or flaws? I found that amazing. Then I looked up where this word is used in the New Testament. It's used 26 times, and it's used in the context of Jesus saying, if you confess me before others, I will confess you before the Lord. Or Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It doesn't really have anything to do with speaking out our flaws and our blemishes. It has everything to do with aligning with how he sees us. So get the picture of this sandwich. If you miss the mark, line yourself up to the Lord and understand that everybody misses the mark. And so we have to always continually be going back to an understanding of, okay, I am a human being, I am flawed in just my human nature, and therefore, Holy Spirit, would you help me to line up according to how you want me to be lined up to? It goes back to, how do you love yourself? Do you, do you even like yourself? Church, we should be people who like and love ourselves. Because if we get this, then we can do what God has asked us to do. But until we, until we do that, we're gonna have a really hard time loving others. And to be honest with you, we'll maybe even have a hard time loving God. Because then we'll have, a, as, as Mark talked about last week, we might have a phantom view of who Jesus is. Well, let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the one that came to die for your sins so that we would have this understanding that we can now line ourselves up to the Lord. And i love this because it doesn't have to do with my flaws or my blemishes it wholly has to do with me just trying to say god give me your thoughts help me to think like you all right what is the other confession the other confession means to agree or confess it means i consent fully agree out and out i confess confess admit acknowledge i acknowledge a debt Properly fully agree and to acknowledge that agreement openly hence to confess without reservation and it's used ten times in the New Testament and Almost every single time it had to do with sin at missing the mark and the fact that we need to confess to others where we miss the mark And so get the picture of what I believe God is trying to communicate to us through John and that is this we are to have a personal relationship with him We are supposed to love ourselves and confess line up with how he views us and sees us. And then we are to get involved with other people in our life and share those flaws so that we can help each other in this. Josh, I struggle with this particular viewpoint of how God sees me. Would you help me to remind myself that I'm loved and and that that's how he sees me. And we confess those things one to another. And it's interesting because it says, then we'll be healed. And I think we think about physical healing, but how how about mental healing? How about just having a really good, healthy process of how we think about ourselves? We need one another to challenge that. And so I think you put both of those together and you have this beautiful picture, again, of the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, love yourself, and love others. Good? Okay, I've got one more point and then we'll get out of here. So... We're supposed to have personal relationship with God. We're supposed to have personal relationship with other people. Third point is this. Jesus is our advocate. And I'm going to go into chapter 2 because um, I think most everybody knows this, but when John wrote this, this letter to that community, he didn't put chapter and verses into it. It was just one letter, and we have broken it apart. Um, in this case, I think maybe we have broken it apart at the wrong place. Um, so I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2, and it says this, my dear children, I write this to you. It's so interesting that in this book, over and over and over, John is trying to communicate to us why he wrote this. Earlier in chapter 1, it says, I wrote this so that our joy would be complete. Some translations say so that your joy may complete, be complete. Here we have, I write this to you, dear children, so that you will not sin." I write this to you so that you will not sin, so that you will not miss the mark. But if anybody does miss the mark, he knew. He knew. We're we're human. He knew. But if anybody does miss the mark, we have an advocate with the Father. This advocate, his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is the atoning sacrifice for when we miss the mark. That's good news. But here's what's great about our God. He's not only for ours, but also for sins of the entire world. So whether you believe this or not, Jesus has done this for you. And so I hope that you get to use this this week when you're talking to somebody and they're, they're like, well, I don't know about th- that God and I don't know. And you can just say, well, you know, he, he loved you so much that he actually has paid for every sin you've ever made. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you may not believe it, but he did it for you anyway. I mean, what a great starting point for a conversation. What do you mean? You don't even have to force Jesus down their throat. You, you just tell them what he did for them. And here's the beautiful part of it, and we'll get into this more, is that Jesus didn't come to expose people's sins. He didn't come to sniff out your sin. He came to be an advocate. Now, what does an advocate mean? Okay, when I say the word advocate, what comes to mind? Lawyer? Lawyer? (laughs) Woo, that's a good one. Maybe not the best positive spin on that, but yeah, advocate, lawyer, good. Fights for, on behalf of, okay, which is what a lawyer does. Absolutely, yeah. No, but it brings a positive connotation to that, yeah. What else? Defense. Best friend. Love it. Somebody that stands up for you, right? Okay. Um, All of those things are true, but I think it even goes more than that. So I looked up this word advocate, and here's what it says. Someone called to one's aid an intercessor a consoler a comforter a helper it's the word paraclete now here's and this probably excited and gave me more joy than it'll give any of you guys but about four weeks ago I did a message on the anointing and the encouraging that comes from that The anointing being God calling out of us what he purposed and planned in us. You guys remember that? And then therefore, what we're supposed to do is get close to other people and encourage them. When you look up that word encouragement, it says from the root word paraclete, which means to get close to and call out. Oh, church, I hope you are getting this. What this is saying is when you miss the mark, I write this so that none of you will miss the mark, but if you do miss the mark, you have an encourager that will come close to you and pull out his thoughts. He's not there to sniff out your sin. He's not there to expose or make you feel bad. As a matter of fact, none of this definition of paraclete has anything negative to it. It's a consoler, it's a comforter, it's an encourager, it's an intercessor. It's somebody that's gonna come alongside you and help you through the areas where you've missed the mark. Oh man, that, that is so good. That is so good. Here's what's super, Josh actually brought this to my attention. I think it was Josh in an email. I always sent my notes to the teaching team and they shoot back, oh hey. Um, that word advocate, Is also the same word that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit. So John's using it for Jesus. Jesus used it for the Holy Spirit. And several of the authors used it for us to encourage one another. There is something powerful about this word paraclete in the fact that we are to grab a hold and think through this filter. What is that filter? That Jesus himself... That the Holy Spirit and that each one of us is not supposed to be sniffing out sins and that's not the goal of what we were created for. We all have the role to encourage, console, comfort, and come alongside people and pull out what God has put in them. That's the whole message of, of this book. Not just John, First John. I believe it's the whole message of this book. Um, I said last night, and I don't know if I even meant to say it, but I did it anyway, so I'll say it again. Um, I I find myself convinced that until we get this, it's going to be really hard to mature in anything else of God. Until we understand that God loves us so much that he would send his son, Jesus... And that he views us the way that a mother and a father would view their children and not want them to speak negatively about themselves and and have a positive outlook and, and be confident in who they are and have that self-esteem and um, not have insecurities, but be secure in who they are. Just as a good parent would do that for their kids, that's how our father wants us to walk our lives. And until we get that, how can we love one another? And so I would just simply submit to you that as john was writing this his heart for that community was hey you've gotten off you're not thinking about yourself the way that you're supposed to you're not realizing what god has done in sending jesus you're not grabbing hold of the picture that jesus isn't some phantom but he is a man but yet had full god in him and he experienced what you have gone through and Why? So that he could come close to you, encourage, console, comfort, intercede, and pull out God's gold out of you. And if you wake up in the morning and have any other thought than that, then resist the devil because he must flee. We've got to start viewing ourselves the way that God wants us to, and I believe that John was trying to communicate this to this community. Because until we can do that, we will have a really hard time going into two, three, four, and 5 in loving others. We've got to be able to love ourselves. And so the next time I ask the question, do you love yourself, it should go up just as fast as when I said, are anybody of you messed up? It's very telling, and it happened both last night and today. A few... Yeah, I kind of love myself, yeah. Are you messed up? Yep. Man, let's, let's reverse that in our thinking. The Word of God says we're supposed to take hold and capture the thoughts and make them obedient to Jesus. Amen. Pastor Dan, how do I do this? How do I do this? Ask the Holy Spirit for help. And ask a trusted friend for help and ask them about practical things. Hey, this is how I'm seeing myself. Do you think that's godly? <laughs> if you'll be bold to do that to a trusted friend, you know, the wounds of a friend, <laughs> uh, they're righteous, they, they why? Because if, if I say something like, hey, this is how I see myself, and I ask my wife that, and she goes, no, that is not how God would see it. I, that hurts for a minute. But then I can pull that unrighteous thought out of my head and I can replace it with the thoughts that God has for me. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the fact that John was trying to just encourage a community that um, had had people coming in and and deceiving them with different teachings. God, they were having struggles this struggle that we all struggle with of how they viewed themselves. And ultimately, Lord, they were a community that um, needed to be reminded to love one another. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to filter this, um, not from a past church writing, but help us to bring that into today, to present right now. And Lord, we acknowledge what a great God you are and the great things that you have done for us. And we thank you for that. As we sung earlier in this service, God, we thank you. This is how we thank you. We acknowledge what you've done for us. And Lord, after we just trust and believe in your goodness, then Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the self-look that you have of us. Help us to understand that we, um, though we are flawed and that we make mistakes that's not what you see you see us through the blood of Jesus Christ and we are righteous in you and so Lord I pray that you would help us to walk from that position God we all make mistakes and we all miss the mark but you are there to stand by our side to encourage us and console us and comfort us and to bring us to an understanding of who you are and how you want us to think and so Lord help us to confess these things to you Help us to agree with how you see us and not how the world tells us to look at ourselves. And then finally, Lord, as we get good at that, help us to love one another. A little bit later in this book, or or maybe it was in his gospel, John says they will know us by the love we have for one another. Lord, help us to love well. And so, Lord, we thank you for this, and we look forward to just the richness of what's going to continue to come from this Uh, beloved series. May we be so confident in this that we could do what John proclaimed. I, Dan, the one Jesus loved. (laughs) God, help us, each one of us, to be able to confidently say those words. And Lord, we thank you for this in your name. Amen. Amen.